Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and a short feature series, Remembering John Paul Jr., which focuses on the late race car driver's career in sports cars. Known as one of the most natural talents in the sport, Jr. became a champion in the International Motorsports Association's fearsome GTP class, won many of the biggest endurance races, and added a famous IndyCar victory to his growing reputation before his father's drug trafficking business ensnared the two in 1986. With his career halted during the 30 months he spent in prison, compounded by a refusal to testify against his father, John Paul Sr., the Indiana native returned to racing in 1989 and continued driving until the early 2000s. Altogether, the vast majority of Jr.'s exploits in racing came in sports cars, and I've assembled eight brief episodes with his friends, co-drivers, team owners, and an IMSA official to share their insights and appreciations for all that made John Paul Jr. such a beloved figure inside the sport. And in some of the interviews, our guests speak to the latter years of Junior's life, where he fought and ultimately succumbed to the neurological disorder Huntington's disease. Junior's close friend, author Sylvia Wilkinson, wrote a book titled 50-50 about his life and career before and after Huntington's impact. And while the book is sold in many places, you'd like to support his legacy, a purchase directly from Sylvia through the email address johnmortonracing@att.net. We'll send some of the proceeds to UCLA for ongoing research to combat the disease. So let's get going with John Morton, who shared a Conti Racing March Buick with Junior in 1984. They had a lasting friendship and a really close relationship with Morton's partner, Sylvia Wilkinson, who did so much for Junior in his final years. This episode, as always, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com. John, knowing that you and John Paul Jr. were teammates, curious when you first met, uh, when the two of you first got to know each other, and whether that was before you shared a car or when you came together as teammates. Well, I think when we were teammates in '84, uh, I think it was, is the first time I really knew him. I knew who he was, but I really didn't know him. And then later, we we used to do ride and drives together in the '90s, and uh, got to know him quite well then. But I knew him well as a teammate, also. But you know, you lose I, a lot of teammates. You don't, you know, once that period's over, you don't sit, you know, you don't associate with them so much. But I actually raced with his father at. Le Mans before I raced with him and it was just a funky thing kind of a weird thing that happened well we were going to drive for Phil Conti in a mirage that the Andrettis decided they didn't need a third driver but Phil said you, he would send me over there to Le Mans and Sylvia and me over anyway and uh, just because I wanted to go and see if I could make something happen. And I got a ride with the same car I drove the year before. It's a Canetti on the North American racing team with Luigi Canetti. On the way over, John Paul Sr. and uh, Preston Hen were going to share a 512 BBLM, same same kind of car. Yeah. Preston said, where's John? Sr. said, well, John's not coming I can't remember now if he was testing a, a sports car, or testing an Indy car, but he didn't. 
he wasn't going to come because he had a testing conflict. Tire tested Indy, Sylvia thinks. And he said, well, then you're not driving either because the only reason I got a tire deal was because of him, not because of you. So he basically fired John Paul Sr., so he was he was in France without a ride, and I had gotten a ride the night before talking to Canetti, and uh, and he ended up talking himself into a ride with Canetti uh, also. He may have had some money to change hands. I, I didn't. But we drove together the, with three drivers, a guy named Alan Cudini, who was a very good French driver. The three of us drove. The irony of, of that was Preston got a, a very good French or Belgium driver, Belgian driver. I can't remember who it was now. So he started the race in John's senior's place, and they forgot to tell him where the reserve on the fuel was in the first the first pit stop, the first session, his first stint, he ran out of gas and was disqualified. (laughs) And we ran all the way to the, about an hour from the end, the transmission acted enough that we had to park the car for an hour and then cross the line, uh, do do the last lap. And uh, we finished, uh, I think, ninth overall. But we were going to win the class with E, or we were going to win the the IMSA IMSA class, I believe, both years. And one, one year was a crash. But anyway, that was senior, not junior. Uh, and I remember thinking toward the late in the race, the transmission started packing up, started being hard to shift. And the Italian mechanics had to blame somebody. It couldn't be the Ferrari. It had to be somebody was abusing it. And they chose John Paul Sr. And I'm thinking, don't piss this guy oh, off. Oh, no. <laughs> Do not no. piss this guy off. And they didn't. They, they didn't make it known to him. And I don't think he had anything. I mean, he'd won you know, 24 hour races before. I don't think it was his fault, but uh, I, I tried to express to them how volatile he could be. <laughs> anyway, that's my senior story. I uh, seem to recall I, the and Jr. 84 at Portland uh, might've been the first that I remember of you guys coming together uh, with Conti racing and a March 84 G, which uh, if I remember as well, would have been a rocket-propelled grenade of a GTP car. It was a good car. We could have won races with that car. We we came pretty close. That particular race is the first time. I don't know if you read Sylvia's book. I have it here. Yes, absolutely. Well, the the story where he we didn't know him well. She had a rental car, and and he drove us over the bridge to Washington, where our motel was from Portland. And uh, a lot of people do that. They drive over. I mean, not for any good reason, except the motels are on the other side of the river. She had neither one of us had ever ridden with John before. It's in it's in the book. She's he starts weaving through traffic and driving like a maniac. She got, we got to the motel, Sylvia reached, she was in the back seat. She reached, I was laughing. She reached over the seat, grabbed the key out of the ignition and said, you're not getting these anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And he did have a reputation for that. I saw it many times after that as well. You guys had some great races together in a rich era of IMSA in, you know, some phenomenal stuff. And I know that obviously you guys maintained a, you know, really a lifelong long uh, relationship afterwards what was it like getting to know him as a teammate as a racer and as a person there in 84 as a teammate he he was a paradox really because when he was driving 
he was an animal. I mean, he was really good, really fast, but he was a milk toast guy after, you know, when he wasn't in the car, very friendly and it just didn't fit the way he drove. Uh, he drove, I don't want to say he drove with reckless abandon. That isn't a good characterization. He was just an incredible driver. That first race you mentioned was the Portland race in 84. Uh, I can't rem- I think he started. I don't remember exactly where we were running. Sylvia might still have the timesheets from that, but or the lap chart, I don't know. But um, I took the car over and, and drove for a while and water temperature started to climb. And it, it was obvious the car had a either a water leak or a blown head gasket. And I, I knew it was finished. So I, I came into the pits and I got out of the car and I said, it's we're done. And John just jumped in the car and took off. <laughs> and I thought, where the hell does he think he's going? Well, he did drove the wheels off of it for about two laps and he spun in his own water <laughs> backwards coming onto that long front straight they didn't have the chicane then and that then the, then i tried to put the car out of the race but he definitely did wow he just wasn't going to give up i know it was just a kind of a testament to his his attitude of just, you know not not giving up it's curious mm-hmm. if you can share for those who weren't fortunate to know him or get to get to see him drive what was john paul jr like as one of his era's finest sports car pilots well you know it's he just had that that gift that i wish i'd had (laughs) and a lot of people wish they'd had i've compared him to arnelli jones several times to people who asked the reason uh i did is because the way i saw him as a guy who could just do it and didn't even know exactly why or how he did it he just could do it probably couldn't have explained it in driving school very well because you can't explain the level that he was at you know you can't explain how you get there because you you can't just get there you know what i mean yeah Uh, but he had that Parnelli was always one of my heroes, and I had the good fortune to get to drive with him once or twice. He just, you know, he had something special that put him in another, you know, on another level. And I think John had the same thing. He drove fast on his motorcycle, (laughs) in a passenger car, in a, you know, rental car, you name it. One time we were racing at Michigan, or maybe two hours before the race, Phil Conti said, where's John? And I said, I don't know. He, He left. He had, he left in the rental car. Well, about an hour before the race, he had a, one of his one of his uh, friends with him, uh, not a racer, just a friend of his. And uh, he shows up with the, the rental car with real low tires, mud all over it. And they'd been out playing in the mud. Huh. And I said, you did. And he said, yeah, we went by this couple and we went through a big puddle and we sprayed them with mud. and We felt so bad when we turned, we had to turn around and come back by him because it was a dead end road. And he's laughing. And I'm thinking, you know, it's an hour before the race. I'm nervous as hell. And he's out screwing around in his rental car. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little insight into some of his character. Just natural talent beyond belief where, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not having to uh, wind up your courage and calm your nerves he's just out right. playing because what what's the most natural thing in the world to him going fast yeah. in a car and having fun it's such yeah. a it's a be- there's a beautiful purity to that which sylvia so also beautifully captured 
um, yeah. in the book about uh, John Paul Jr. Another incident, we were racing at uh, Pocono, and Phil had to go to the uh, Scranton airport to pick up his, I think, his girlfriend, then later his wife. And uh, John drove a rental car that would probably go 90 miles an hour. And on the way, and so it was going 90 miles an hour, and the red light comes on in the distance behind him. So the ch- the cops are chasing him, and he just kept his foot on the floor. I happened to be in a phone booth or near a phone booth, and I heard a car go screeching around the corner, pulled into the parking lot. It was a 90-degree turn where the motel was. Pulled into the parking lot and shut the lights off. And a few seconds later, a cop goes by with his lights on and headed down the road. <laughs> didn't see didn't see him turn into the the driver, you know, into the parking lot. So John outran the cops with his boss his girlfriend and his boss in the car <laughs> in, uh, in a probably a 90 mile an hour rental car. That was uh, another another piece of John's, I don't know, mentality. <laughs> it, it sounds like things are never boring on the road yeah. With, uh, yeah. with Junior. Thanks once again for listening to Remembering John Paul Jr. Thanks as well to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com for supporting all we do this is your first time listening. You might pay a visit to marshallpruittpodcast.com. We have more than 1,000 episodes awaiting your perusal, plus a lovely little subscribe page where you might follow along with all the new content we generate.